The scripture for today's sermon is in 1 John 4, 7 through 13. The word of God speaks to us like this. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the appropriation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and in His perfect, and His perfect love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in Him, and He in us, because He has given us of His Spirit. This is the very Word of God to us. Carol, thank you. Hey, you can take a seat. It's good to turn around and see faces and to see uh, each of us out there. If you have your Bible, turn right here to this passage, 1 John chapter 4. We are talking through just kind of what's on the back wall back here. It's, it's our mission statement. It, it's not like words that we just made up to ourselves, but this is what we've been going over for the past couple weeks. Last week, we talked about love God. This week, we're going to talk about love people. And then the, the following week is pushing back darkness and what that looks like. My name is Chad. I'm one of the pastors here. And, and what we get to do is actually kind of say, are we actually walking in the things that we say that we want to be and, and what God has called us to. And so we, we ground that straight out of scripture and, and that's where we want to be this evening. That's where we want to do. What, when I think about this though, as we talk about something like uh, a banner or, or like a mission statement, like sometimes that just becomes uh, some slogan and some words. And some of it is just because we've all been Netflixed. And that means like the idea that we, we've just kind of tuned ourselves to think in short bursts or even to think with a second screen right in front of us to, to kind of, you know how you watch a show and, and yet you're still kind of just passively doing other things things at the time. Like too often I find that's how I approach God. That's how I approach his word. I, I see Jeff back here actually doing that as we speak. Day one. Day. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. No shame, no shame, but it's like, this is how I found myself to be wired. I, I noticed that it's even harder for me to watch a movie or to think about like uh, two hours, like that's too much. I need, I need like 45 minutes max on this and I need to be able to, to check other things and make sure. It's like my brain has been rewired in so much of life. And too often I come to God's word in the same way. I, I come to it like, okay, I'm just going to go through this. Or, or we think that we're scrolling through God's word when in reality we, what we want to do is, is sit in it. Not long ago I, I read a book and, it, and the book itself was about uh, Luke 15 and, and like the prodigal son story. Uh, but it was centered around this guy that wrote the book actually went to a, a museum and stared at this Rembrandt. The Rembrandt, we have a picture of it. This Rembrandt right here is hanging in Russia, and he went to this museum, which is world-class people, uh, but he spent days just sitting and looking here at this painting and just staring at it and saying, God, what is there? What's in that? 
And there's so much good in that book, but like the, the picture that, one of the things that I took away is like how rarely I actually stop and sit and, and just see the, the work of the master and, and actually uh, approach God and his word like, like a painting to, to be soaked in instead of like Netflix or something else, which we're just kind of going passively to. And so as we, as we get to this, let's, let's like cut all the fluff and let's like, Let's really just kind of cut through all of it and, and realize that when we t- say we're going to talk about loving God, I get it. Most of us, if not all of us, are like, yeah, I got that. Moving on. Of course I love people. Of course I love God. Like, we, we kind of check this box and we say, like, I'm here. I, I love people. Moving on. And what I want to say is not so fast. Not so fast. Maybe we just need to kind of stop and, and like looking at a Rembrandt, that we would actually stop with God's word and, and we'd look deeply at it. And that we would look and see what God is doing and what he's called us to do. And that we would, we would ask big questions from it. And so what I've tried to do this week is, is kind of sit before this painting, and sit before this painting that God has given us and just say, what's here? And just continue to, to go to it and ask those questions and say, like, where are the strokes? Where, where, where are the details of the master? God, where, where are those things? And, and let me just, like, pull open all the robe. Like, like, this was brutal. This was brutal because I see all these areas in which I fall short on loving God but loving people as well. I see all those areas in which it's like, God, right before my eyes, right in front of me are these people that I struggle to love. And so like my takeaway from this week is that I could sit here, I could sit before it, I could sit with God and, and simply say, Lord, what is here and what is it for us? And my hope is uh, that and, and just looking, longing, and, and just saying, God, what do you have here? Is that I bring three observations. There are three things that it seemed like it were just observations after sitting for a long time in God's museum and just sitting with him in this. And there are three observations that kind of lead to some natural and unavoidable responses. There are some things in this text that just call us out and, and make some things really clear, which are a response that each of us are called to. And so in that, what I'd like to do is simply walk through this text, bring these observations, and say, look deep deeply with me at this text, what it looks like to love people because of the love of God and what that does to us. And then at the end, we're not going to ask you to walk forward. We're not going to ask you to raise your hand. We're not going to ask you to sign anything. I'm going to ask you actually to, to kind of take time to sit and look for yourself and just just look for yourself at all these things. And so before we jump in too much into this, I just simply want to pray. And I want to pray for you and I want to pray for me that none of us would just go through the motions of another church service and find our way into religious answers or, or just kind of like surface deep religiosity which doesn't actually serve us, but that we would, we would say, God, what is here and help me approach it, not like some uh, scrolling through my feed or, or some 
some show uh, that, I would, that I would say, maybe I'll give this a shot on Netflix, but actually like the work of art that it is. Father, we, we need you. We need you because we can't do any of this on our own. We're asking you to, to meet us. We're asking you to stir us. We're asking you to help us see things that are in this text that maybe we've been blind to before. And we're asking for you to work in our hearts in ways that we couldn't do ourselves. If it, just as we've been praying this evening, it seems like maybe there are people here that are really dry and feel just busted up. And God, we pray that you would bring life that you'd stir their hearts, that we wouldn't heap on any more on their plate, but that we'd actually uh, bring them to the source. And so God, meet us in that. Pray all these things in your name. Amen. Okay, so the first observation, when I'm looking at this and I'm sitting here with this text that Carol just read for us, and we're saying, like, yeah, we want to talk about loving God, and of, of course we, we feel like we love God, and we want to talk about loving people, and we'd be like, yes, I love people, of course I do. I have family or different people around us, that we wouldn't just kind of throw it out there and then walk away as if we checked this box. The first thing that comes out is that God the Father actually brings us into experiencing love. It's actually something that God the Father does. And notice where it comes from. Verses 7 and 8. Chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. And anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is is love. I mean, it's just right there. This is actually from God. If, we're, if we have some understanding of love, it is because it's from God. It, it, he is the fountain. He is the source. He is the one who supplies it. And we understand love because of God. And it's not just that he's trying. It's not that God is loving. It's that God is love. There's no, other, there's no other descriptor in there. It's just that he is this. And so uh, I don't want to spend all our time on this. We walked through some of this last week, but what does that lead us to? What does that call us to? And it, it's directly right here in verse seven. Beloved, let us love one another. You see, it's because God is love that, that here's the natural response. Here's the natural and unavoidable response. If you're, if you're beloved by God, then let us love one another. This is where we're at. This is where we're supposed to be. And then verse 8 just kind of puts a punctuation on it. It says it this way. Anyone who does not love does not know God. I mean, it's, it's hard to be more direct than John is being right here in this. It, it, it isn't just like, hey, I, I walked an aisle somewhere or I raised my hand or I prayed a prayer one time in middle school and I really meant it that time. It, it's not any of those types of things. It's, a, it's how we love one another is a revealer of our heart and that we've been loved by God. 
So to the extent in which we withhold it, the extent in which we're lazy with it, to the extent in which we love people the way that we watch Netflix or that we go through just the motions on any certain things, like to the extent that we're doing that, it's just a revealer of who we are, of where our heart's at. At a fundamental level, at just the most basic of levels, a Christian is one who's been made new in the image and nature of God. When we baptized a couple weeks ago, when we were looking at what that means, we're talking about buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. God's nature is love. So whoever does not love is, is not walking in that nature. And I can almost feel it. I can see eyes over the masks, and there's this sense inside of a lot of us. It's like, but wait a second, but wait, Chad, I got you. Because, like, I've got this coworker or this friend or this person in my life who doesn't believe in God at all, and they're actually far more loving than a lot of Christians I know. I've got this person in my life that doesn't, uh, they, they just actually don't believe in God at all. And they're maybe the most loving person I know. And, and we know these people, right? We know folks like this. And so how do we square this and say, and, and like, how does this actually work out? Well, there's a couple of things. There's a couple of things. A lot of people who claim the name of Christ just don't know Christ. And that comes out of verse 8. We just know that if, you're, if they're not loving, if we have people who say they're Christians, but they're, they actually don't love people around them, there's something there. There's something there to be heard. And that might, that might kind of like feel like a two-by-four right there. But let me just say that in, in love to you, that you need to hear that. If you don't love other people around you, then perhaps you don't know the love of God. But back to our question, back to our question. How is it that there are people around us who don't know Jesus, but like actually are really loving? And it looks like they they actually seem more loving than a lot of people I know who go to church. But there's kind of, there's kind of three quick things to say about this is, is remember what what we believe as Christians is that uh, each and every person is created in the image of God. To some extent, I mean, they're an image bearer of God which is beautiful. It means they carry around something in them that speaks to something far beyond them. There's also just the idea of common grace, that that there's grace that is poured out to this whole world and and every single person gets to experience that. I mean, it's where we're talking about the rain, the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Uh, Laughter comes to those who know him and don't know him. Their art and beauty uh, come to the whole world regardless. And and there's just common grace that everybody, regardless if they believe in God or not, experiences some form of common grace. And, and, And that's a part of this. But there's also just the just the, the kind of rubbing off of a culture that has been exposed to the gospel. Uh, a culture that has, ha, has known, uh, at least conceptually, the gospel. Even if you don't believe it, you're, you've been influenced by the words of God and, and the character of God and, and how we're supposed to walk with one another. Even as a country, these are some things that are baked in, even if we can't name the name of Jesus as a government and different things. But like these, a lot of these things are baked into our culture. And so we would see, we'd see hints of it in people that we come across, some more than others. But it's, it's all there. 
It's there in every, every aspect of it. But, but let's not turn loving people or loving God into some like sentimental Hallmark movie. It's something sappy or something that would just go on a meme that you'd scroll through. Let's not just, let's not talk about, hey, love God and love people as if it's just uh, something that we say and then we move on from because it isn't just that we, we experience it because of God. We actually see what it looks like through a person in a specific place and at a specific time, which leads me to the second observation. Jesus Christ shows us what loving others looks like. He shows us. So we experience it because of God the Father, but we, we see what it actually looks like and, and how that's supposed to be uh, brought into this world through Jesus Christ. We see that. And so read with me, verses 9 through 11. In this, the love of God was made manifest. Now kind of put a pin in the word manifest. We'll get back to that. Made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved, not, pardon me, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. It's in this. It's in this, this one who is made manifest. This one who is on display. Like, that's what the word manifest here means in this. He, he, his manifestation, his incarnation as we, as we move to the Advent season. This one who was made manifest, who was put on display, who was brought into this world. That's how we see it. God sending his son. And, and, and it isn't just that he sent his son. Like we, we don't believe that he sent his son just to sit on Mount Olympus or, or some far off spot. He sent his son, what does it say? To walk among us. To walk among us. God's love is on display through Jesus to a particular people in a particular place. And you know, some of those people we could name, right? That they're named in scripture. And think about that. Uh, Jesus calling Simon Peter and saying, follow me. And what that did to Simon Peter's life. You think of Martha and Mary grieving the loss, grieving the loss of their brother. And like, here's Jesus weeping with them. We think of like scandalous Mary Magdalene and the, the life that she lived in which we don't have a ton of detail, but we know enough to know that there was some scandal. There were some things that would make us blush and there were some things that uh, might not get repeated in polite company. And here is Jesus receiving her and receiving her. Or, or think of Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus is in a tree, and Zacchaeus' life is just as scandalous as anyone else's, and, and we don't want to single out Mary Magdalene without saying, here's Zacchaeus who is a scoundrel, who has messed up his life in which all his people want nothing to do with him, and he still is just a robber and a thief. And here's Jesus who comes to him, and he says, Zacchaeus, I see you. I see you. 
not only that, he's like, come on, we're going to eat together, brother. <laughs> then there's all these other people in which the names are lost to us, but I'm certain they're not lost to Jesus. I'm certain they're not lost to Jesus. We, we refer to her as the woman of the well. And yet Jesus sits down with her and sees her and changes her life. He, he loves her in a way that is past the way that we, we just kind of talk about love. He, he actually engages with her in something that is deeply meaningful, and it changes her life. You think about others unnamed. You think about those who receive healing, those who, who can't walk, or those who, who are blind, and Jesus actually comes to them. But my heart is drawn specifically to one, and that is the leper in which Jesus comes to the leper, and not only does he heal the leper, but what does he do? He touches the leper. Imagine that, because Jesus could have just healed, and he could have just said, it's done, go, be better, go show yourself. And instead, what does that person need? What does that guy need? He, here's a, a leper who has been cast out from everybody, who's risking all of it just to, just to talk or get a glimpse of Jesus. And, and here Jesus not only meets his physical need, he goes right to his heart, and he actually receives and touches this man who has been far from anyone. Jesus shows us what it looks like to love people. Jesus takes the initiative. Jesus goes to them. Jesus sees people, and he actually meets them where they're at, and he loves them, not just telling them about what it looks like to deal with their sin. He actually meets them in areas in which they might not even know how to express their hurt. He loves these people. But we, we get this this word that comes up, propitiation, which leads us to like, well, here's how he did it. He actually put this out there, but why does he does it is, is right through this big word. And let's be honest, it's one of those stained glass words, propitiation. It's one that you would see uh, on, on the side and you'd be like, okay, that's a church word. It's not gonna be used anywhere else. But propitiation is really important. It means that God didn't just say, hey, you're okay and, and you're no longer guilty. He actually takes the wrath of God upon himself. And propitiation means that there's, it isn't just that God has declared you not guilty. It's that God has also said, I'm no longer angry with you over your sin. And I love you. He's taken that. And so in, in Jesus, we, we see how it is, what it looks like to love people. And we get this word, it's, a, it's this tiny word, and it's almost a throwaway, because it, it, it could seem like a throwaway, and it would have been if I was just Netflixing this passage, but I just had to like buckle into my seat and sit with it, and then this word jumps out to me, which becomes really important. It's really important here. It's this word, ought. We also ought to love one another. 
And we confuse this. My kids like to say should all the time. And should's kind of like a cousin of ought. It's like, hey, should we have mac and cheese tonight? And I'm like, no, we shouldn't. It's not a moral question here. This isn't like a life or death thing in which if we don't have mac and cheese tonight, it's, everything's going to fall apart. So we throw around these oughts and shoulds and all sorts of things. But ought is actually packed with meaning. It's like, you are obligated. You're obligated. See, the actual word that's used here in the text is obligated. This isn't the first time John uses it right here in 1 John. In 1 John chapter 2, he says, whoever says he abides in him, whoever says he, he is like walking with Jesus, ought is obligated to walk in the same way in which he walked. If anyone says that you abide in God, uh, you are to walk as God walked, to walk as Jesus walked. 1 John chapter 3 says, by this we know love. This is how we're going to know love, that he laid down his life for us and we ought, we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. We're obligated to lay our lives down, to love people. It's not just a nice thought. It's not just like happy words that are thrown out there. It says, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. But confession uh, we have a niceness problem. You see, it's so much easier just to be nice as opposed to loving. And, and it's, it's easy to confuse nice and pleasant and kind with loving. And, and the Bible doesn't call us to be nice. We should be nice. There's a nice thing there. There's should out there. Uh, but we, there, there's a, a part in this which is really important. And like just like social graces lead us to being nice. But what we're called to isn't just nice. We're called to being loving people. And too often we confuse the two. See, the, this is where if we're just going to be nice, we feel like we're hearing a lot more to do's. Like, I just need to do this, and I just need to be nicer. I just need to be a nicer person. But this isn't the Bible's attempt to heap more into your backpack or, or to make you feel worse about yourself. This isn't God that's just, like, throwing more upon you. This is actually God saying, like, it's a natural outflow of knowing his love is to love one another. I... I personally, one of my favorite uh, authors is, is Francis Schaeffer. And, and I end up running to Francis Schaeffer a lot. Francis Schaeffer was this thinker from years ago. There's a long story about Labrie and this, this place where people would come and ask questions. And, and he just wrote a lot about culture and faith. He wrote about art and beauty. And, and he wrote just about all sorts of things that just kind of speak to my heart and, and help me think about God in different ways. But he says this, which becomes really important for us. Biblical orthodoxy. That's like just knowing the right things. Biblical orthodoxy. And there are things that we should know, correct? Like just knowing the right things without compassion is surely the ugliest thing in the world. 
just knowing the right things to say. Oh yeah, I love people. I love God. I love people. Without actually walking in compassion. As Jesus walked with them, it's surely the ugliest thing in the world. You need an example of this? Go find a waiter or a waitress who works Sundays and ask them. Just ask them. What's it like to work a Sunday lunch? See, we don't need more people who just have a niceness problem. We're not asking you to take this upon yourself and just try to be more loving, okay? Find your bootstraps and try to be more loving. We're actually saying, God, we need you. We need to know your love. We need to see and look deeply at what that looks like so that we can love other people the way Jesus loved other people. Which leads me to my third observation. The Holy Spirit leads us and forms us to actually do this, to actually love one another. It's not out of our supply. It isn't out of our strength. It isn't out of our goodness even. Like anybody on the planet can be nice. But to love the way Jesus loved and to see people the way Jesus did and to walk with them as as God has loved us is something that we absolutely need God's supply to do. Read with me. Verses 12 and 13. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us. And his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. See, John says right here, John says no one's actually seen God. That's, a, that's a, not possible. We've seen, we've seen God the Son in Jesus, but like God in his essence, the unseen God who, who is revealed in Jesus walking here on this earth is now seen in his people actually loving one another. Going to those, to those in their lives, to particular people in particular places. And loving them. For me, I, I think of three neighbors that are right there. I, I can see them. They kind of form a triangle around my place. Uh, Steve on one side. Trent off the back side. Man, I mean, I can keep going on. I, I think of Corey just down the street. I think of Tom right next door. I, I think of my neighbors and people that, uh, like, I, I often just kind of move past and say, God, help me to love these people. I, you might think of coworkers or you might think of, uh, of acquaintances and people that are in your life, but I'll give you three examples that I have right here in Yukon, which is I deal with a guy named Mike all the time. And I don't want to just interact with Mike. I want to love Mike and Kathy and Erica, the, these coworkers of his in which we would walk and actually not just interact and not just say, uh, how's your day and how's my day and I'm struggling or this or that, but actually like, how can I love Mike and Kathy and Erica? Or I think of like, it's easy to think of family or or. Or, or my parents and, and di- different things and saying like, how do we actually love people and not just go through the motions? 
We need God. We need the Holy Spirit at work in us. We need to see it in Jesus, and we need the supply that we have from God, receiving it. Just like Jesus, there are people who are known to you that I might not know their names, but you do. I might not be in their, their interactions. I might not run across them throughout the week, but you do. And the goal isn't that you would just say, hey, bring them to church some Sunday. The goal is that you would love people. Because God has loved you. And because God is at work in you. See, the unavoidable result of knowing the love of God is to give the love of God. It's the Holy Spirit at work in us that cannot help but come out to those around us. If, if the Holy Spirit is at work in you, the only response is that it would bubble up. You see, like think of it like a, a lake or, or something. A, a lake doesn't just fill up and sit there. It doesn't just stay. The water actually moves through this and it, it moves out. Your, your body wasn't designed for that either. You don't just take in food. Like you actually sweat it out and all sorts of other things that we need not say right now. But like your body actually doesn't just receive and receive and receive. There's actually a process to that. And yet too often we come to church and all we do is sit and receive and we think that we're healthy when what you've actually been created to do and all of nature points to this is that you receive to give out. You love God because you've been loved by God. <laughs> you love people because of what he's doing in you. You're not doing it because of your own strength or because someone's twisting your arm, but because God is good. We show love to these people. We learn and experience love like we've never known as we love other people. It's through this that we see it and we will know we are his by how we love one another. Friends, this is all God at work in us. It's a revealer on how we love one another. It's a revealer of God at work in our lives. And so, if you would, just bow your head. And ask God to help you look at his masterpiece. <laughs> what he has done in Christ and through Jesus on the cross, his love on display in and through his son. It may be a confession of saying, God, I've, I've been approaching you just like my social media feed or, or like a Netflix show. But sit with it. Look at the contours. Look at the master's work. And ask God to show you. Ask God to work in your heart, in your life. Throughout the week, we have opportunities to do this. We're not asking for any of you to be a hero and somehow like, be the greatest lover of people that this city and this world has ever seen. We actually do this in community together. We actually do this with other people. I have... I have people in my life that I'm walking with who, who help me and speak into my life and tell me where my stuff stinks. And, and like, 
actually help me see. And all of us need that. Father, we pray that we would be people who don't just talk about loving God and loving people, but that we actually do it by your grace and by your empowering presence. We're asking you to work in our hearts and to stir us. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.